This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. And today, we're going to have to save you from Twitter's irresponsibility. Uh, there is Their head of security has come forward and filed a complaint with the SEC because uh, Twitter has not been a responsible steward of people's privacy and information. And also, they have left themselves very vulnerable to some hackery. And that is never a good thing unless you're Elon Musk, because the person who came out, the former head of security, whose name is Peter Mudge Zatko, uh, he claims a number of things, which the only thing Twitter has really said about any of this is uh, he wasn't really good at his job and he's just bitter. And it's like, well, he's making uh, some pretty extraordinary claims. And this may help Elon Musk's bid if he, he's right now trying to completely scrap the takeover of Twitter and, you know, the $44 billion price tag could be chipped away if, in fact, some of these claims are realized. And he's saying that uh, Twitter has known that they've got just a ton of spam and bot accounts, but their executives are paid massive bonuses up to $10 million apiece if they just boost user accounts. So if you're going to make $10 million, like, do you really care if the accounts are fake or if they're real? There's really no incentive to cull the fake herd if, you know, those inflated numbers improve your bottom line. Uh, and Mudge says in his complaint, Twitter executives have little or no personalist incentive to accurately detect or measure the prevalence of spam bots. So there are obviously ways they could find out if these are phony baloney accounts, but why would they do that? Why would they jeopardize, you know, this this massive easy income? Uh, he says that the company has been misleading the SEC as well as users about their privacy and security and uh, their servers alone are so outdated. And this is from Twitter. You know, this is a multi-billion dollar social media giant that stands to gain so much. But uh, if any of this is true, they have been horrible stewards and uh, they have really neglected their responsibilities. And of course, you know, Jack Dorsey, when he was in charge of the company, would go before Congress with his beard and his salt smoothies and be like, yeah, I know. It's really sad. I walked to work five miles and I don't eat. And Twitter's sorry for violating your trust. But it could be much more serious than that if uh, all of these things combine to put Twitter in deep yogurt. So how do we find out what's really going on there if Peter Mudge Zatko is to be believed? And if, my God, your, your tweets and holy hot dogs, your DMs, are they safe? 
There was only one person to ask. He is half my namesake, no relation, Dave Kennedy, binary defense co-founder and CTO. Uh, he is the founder of Trusted Sec. He co-founded BDS, Binary Defense Systems. He's the chief hacking officer, a former white hat hacker, U.S. Marine Corps veteran. Dave, welcome to Kennedy Saves the World. This can be Dave Kennedy Saves the World today. Oh, my gosh, that intro. I don't know if that could ever be beaten, uh, Kennedy. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. No, I'm I'm delighted you're here. I've talked to you a few times on my Fox Business Show, and I wanted to go a little bit deeper. So, you know, Mudge Zatko, you were both in, you know, the same. I don't know if you call it a profession or a hobby or, um, you know, a calling, but you were both hackers for a long time and you've known each other. Uh, is there any reason to disbelieve the claims that he has made as a whistleblower, the former head of security for Twitter? Well, so, so to give a little bit of context of kind of like a, a comparison of who Peter Zatko would be in our industry versus others, Peter's kind of the the Keanu Reeves of the security industry from a compassion perspective. What, what drives Peter is trying to help fix uh, and protect the world from, from cyber criminals, from hackers and everything else. That's been his drive from, from day one. In fact, uh, he, he's, he's got the claim to fame for being the very first ever group of hackers that testified in front of Congress to talk. And there was, it was a huge thing in front of Congress back in the early nineties and, you know, a bunch of stuffy suits and everything else. And he had a bunch of hackers that had long hair and, you know, probably hadn't showered in probably weeks, you know, out there testifying. And, you know, uh, he was really one of the, the, the forefathers of what we consider cybersecurity today. And um, his whole career has been really based off of that. I mean, he was in charge of security for Google. He was working for the Department of Defense. He worked for DARPA. Uh, he's extremely credentialed uh, throughout his entire career. And, you know, there's never been an instance where Mudge has been at a uh, institution or a job where he's had performance issues. In fact, if you look at why Mudge actually joined Twitter, he had so many different options available uh, for him to go and join because he's literally one of the top folks in our industry. And uh, he decided to to actually probably take a pay cut and go to Twitter because he believed in how important Twitter was to the world from a, a central stage, world leader discussion perspective and everything else that was happening out there that he he wanted to try to fix, fix Twitter. And he came under, uh, he got hired under Jack Dorsey, who really was looking at trying to change the culture of the organization to be a security driven one. And we will see organizations that, you know, that especially in the Silicon Valley startup mode, even if they're large or whatever, have kind of bad security practices and eventually they start to get more formal. But what we started to see here, and especially from from uh, from Mudge, was that uh, when Prag came in, the new CEO, it was a very different telling uh, story. I mean, hiding findings from the board of directors, uh, tucking things under the rug, not actually looking for security vulnerabilities, exposures, pretending that they weren't there. These are egregious things that that we don't see commonly from a leadership perspective. And that's where some of the, the really big concerns and allegations are coming from Mudge. And you know, to put back to your question, there's never been anything in Mudge's career that would ever say that he was not to be believed in his his whole his whole career has been on security. So obviously they have made it possible. They've given themselves plausible deniability with these fake accounts because, you know, first of all, they enrich themselves. Second of all, if they really reveal the number of fake accounts that they've got, it devalues the company. And right. they want to sell the company to Elon Musk for as much as possible. So it, it's it's really passive aggressive. 
how they're not trying to come to a realistic number uh, about how many spam and bot accounts that they've got. But that's that's not the big security issue, is it? So people who use Twitter and, you know, obviously there are millions and millions. What is the biggest issue that Mudge has raised? Well, there was there was two big things that that came out of Mudge's disclosure. So one this couldn't be any better, as you had mentioned, for Elon Musk. Uh, the first part of the disclosures actually talk about how they calculate bots and how bad of a formula it is to actually predict that, and that it's intentionally done to skew the number to show investors and to show advertisers um, that they have a less percentage of bots, that they have more people they market to in order to drive revenue into the company. So, you know, if you look at it as an advertiser, you know, if, if 5% of that is, is bots, versus 50% or 20%, that's a very different number of people that you're reaching versus what you actually pay for. The leadership team's actually incentivized for that as well. So you have a number of different areas here where they try to reduce intentionally the prediction of how you actually find bots so that it could inflate what the actual number is of users that are on the platform, uh, as well as what they talk to their board of directors to and and what they talk to their advertisers. So Mudge actually directly had on uh, talks about that and, and, shows where that is factually incorrect and where Parag has actually made statements. And he actually directly says, this is basically a flat out lie. Uh, this is not how this works. Um, so there's there's revelations in there that were, I think, really big. The second component, though, is if you look at what Twitter's used for, I mean, it is a communication platform. It's our town forum. It's our world forum now of how it's been being utilized and used for political purposes, for you know big countries, for big corporations and organizations. Uh, and and that type of communication, I don't know if you remember a number of years ago when, when President Obama was was in office, but U.S. CENTCOM was hacked. And it, it um, there was a tweet that came out from U.S. CENTCOM that said that there was an explosion in the White House and that uh, President Obama was injured during that period, which caused a seven point seven percent reduction in the U.S. stock market within three minutes. You know, these types of things are the power of the platform that is, is available, that it's become. And you see now that, you know, even much as allegations, there's over 500,000 servers that are antiquated legacy that aren't being patched or used. They had at least one substantial security incident per week that they could investigate on because they didn't have the tools, the appropriate use to be able to use. So, I mean, they've been hacked probably inside and out. I mean, they just had a major data breach last month in July, over 5.4 million Twitter accounts hacked. There's sensitive data. Uh, There's there's. reports uh, within that, as well as most recently, the U.S. government came in saying there are people working on behalf of of government-sponsored agents, so on China, Russia, et cetera, working inside of Twitter, uh, as well as all of these security exposures and vulnerabilities. So you have to assume at this point that nation states like China, Russia have access to direct messages. He also got into permissions where they have no ability to log who actually has access to people's accounts and that permissions are just basically loudly gagging all over the place. You know, pretty much any Twitter employee has the access to, to access pretty much any system or server. It's, it's a mess. Uh, it's a, it, to put it blunt, it's a disaster. And he, he leveled his complaint to the federal trade commission, not the sec. We have more of this interview in moments coming up. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Um, And, you know, there's obviously a lot to look into. You know, there are some world leaders and and some authoritarian 
dictators, uh, theocratic dictators who are still on Twitter and there are former presidents who are not. So someone like Elon Musk, who speaks this language probably better than any other potential investor. So, you know, when when he starts asking and demanding to see proof of these algorithms, that obviously has a very, very different meaning. So so what do you think it was about Twitter's disclosure that put Elon Musk off so much? Well, if you notice, he actually, uh, Elon Musk's lawyers actually subpoenaed Mudge prior to this disclosure coming out. So, I, you know, I think, I think, you know, Musk and his team had a very good understanding, at least in, either after they made the the initial, you know, uh, announcement to purchase Twitter or before, and this is always part of the strategy. But I think you see that this is a, a very methodically planned thing coming from their team because they they understand that it is, it is extremely misrepresented. And this is something that continues to help that build that case around, hey, the number of active users that are actually human pe- people, not bots, not everything else. And we've seen Elon Musk comment on, you know, first thing that he would do as soon as he gets into Twitter was eliminate bots and try to reduce those as much as possible and have reporting, you know, accuracy around that and try to fix everything that they're doing. He also has promised us an edit button, by the way, which is much, 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 much desirable. Um, but uh, there's many tweets that I, I wish I could edit. But <laughs> when you look at at what he's been been going through here, he's got a pretty good understanding that the data that he was given, which was basically a ton of anonymized data that wouldn't really be able to determine uh, the amount of bots within there, that Twitter did not provide what they needed to in order for him to make an accurate conclusion of how many bots they actually have. It's And if you look at what Mudge is allegating, uh, allegating here, and the data is doing it seems to be intentional that they're doing that so that he doesn't have that information. Uh, that's that's bad. That's really bad. They're hiding things from people. They're hiding things around security vulnerabilities. They're tucking away things under the rug so that's more desirable for investors and acquisitions. I mean, those are those are pretty serious things that that it seems like it's coming from the Twitter leadership that seem to have pretty good evidence and tangible. I mean, there's screenshots of of communication with Craig and Mudge, uh, you know, talking about. Hey, you know, uh, I want this to be a verbal discussion, not you know have it on paper and reduce you know the the blow of this and don't talk about this and that. I mean, these are these are pretty serious things that he has proper documentation for. I'm sure this is just scratching the surface. So, what do you think the outcome is here for Mudge and for Elon Musk? Because you know, this is th- these are some of the issues that Elon Musk brought up and you know he he says that he's a fan of twitter he wants to make it better he wants to buy it because he wants to make it better better and it's so deeply flawed right now so where do you see this going do you see that you know this will create so much fuss and force an investigation from the federal government and do you think that elon musk gets the lower per share price and does he install Mudge in an even higher, more important role at the new Twitter? <laughs> well, I, uh, let's take a look at, at motives, right? So if you look at who is really trying to look out for the best interest of Twitter, you know, even Jack Dorsey has come out with support for, for Elon Musk uh, and saying, listen, the board is completely dysfunctional. The leadership there is completely dysfunctional. And he's the founder and creator of, of Twitter. And obviously you can talk about Jack and his his lineage and past, you know, quite a bit and extensively. You look at what Mudge came on and said, and he had an exclusive interview that he talked about around, you know, this wasn't to help Elon Musk. This was because I had to say something because it's so bad there. This is the worst I've seen in my, 
you know, I, he's been in the industry for probably 40 years. My 40 years of, of, of experience in security where they're tucking away, they're hiding things or doing things unethically. I had to come out and say something from a whistleblower perspective. And then you have Elon Musk here saying, I know this is a problem. I see the data. I know that there's an issue here. You better come out with this or else, you know, I'm going to try to reduce the, the cost of this or back out completely. And so with all of those kind of dynamics happening at the same time and this coming out with Mudge, as well as everybody else that Elon has subpoenaed, um, I, I do believe that he has a very good case against this to be able to say, and, and I'm obviously no legal expert. I'm just talking strictly from, you know, data analytics, what we've seen from, from Mudge's response, as well as what we've seen uh, released in the public from Twitter. Uh, I do think there's a, a really good opportunity here for, for Elon Musk either to get it at a discounted rate or to be able to back out of the deal completely, which if the back out of the deal completely happens, I mean, it's going to crush the stock of Twitter. It's going to shoot down. I mean, they're already struggling from a monetary value perspective. They Obviously, I mean, if they, if they can't even keep up their ancient servers, they're, they're yeah. struggling. I mean, this is disaster. And it's it's also just the worst kind of greed. You know, it, it's greed for the sake of greed without making the company or the world a better place, which, you know, that's what they pay lip service to. Uh, yep. They're they're not obligated to do that. But also we're not obligated to work on Twitter every day. And, you know, people will realize that. And I've got two teenage girls and they're a very fickle audience and they're always looking for some other social network uh, to explore. And, and it, obviously Facebook is for old people, but they kind of say the same <laughs> thing about Twitter, which I think is very funny. So let me ask you this kind of the final question. Um, so when Elon Musk announced that they had a deal all of a sudden, conservatives and libertarians, like, our followers shot up. And it was, like, out of nowhere. And, you know, it's like, I lost a ton of followers after January 6th. And I was like, eh, maybe people are leaving. Maybe there's some sort of a weird purge. All of a sudden, uh, most of the blue checkmark people who followed me, they had unfollowed me. And I was like, nah, maybe they just hate Fox for whatever reason. They can suck it. But... You know, we we all of a sudden got all of these new followers and it was almost as though there was a shadow algorithm that kept conservatives and libertarians from really engaging and growing their audience organically and honestly. So what happened there? there there's never been any decisive proof of to what that that why that happened. And now I can say that I've absolutely seen that as well. You know, you see that the the mass, I mean, it was stark increase. I mean, you you've heard a number of folks talk about, it. I mean, Joe Rogan experienced the same thing. A number of other folks have experienced the same thing, especially from a celebrity status perspective. And, you know, they're they're abnormal jumps of of followers that, I mean, we're not talking, you know, hundreds of people. We're talking tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people um immediately following. And when you start to look at that, you say, well, could there be you know, some sort of influence where you're seeing a, a, a mass amount of bot activity increasing where they're just doing mass following to create some sort of chaos here. And that didn't seem to be the case. There were actual legitimate followers. And so if you look at um, that, I, I think that would be kind of the most interesting thing coming to light if Elon Musk were able to uh, acquire Twitter to do an investigation. You know, and I don't think that would come out during a due diligence phase. I don't think they get down to that level of detail. But, you know, if, if you're able to acquire it and launch kind of an investigation on that, It'd be interesting to see that when the announcement of of Elon Musk, did they change how following works, who you promote or, you know, if you look at Twitter, you know, a lot of times if you're searching specific topics, it'll say this is who you should follow. Right. Um, and and did they suppress, you know, certain groups or people based off of certain political leanings? And, 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 and facts, those are things that absolutely you can do from a programmatic perspective. 
again, hasn't been proven. But if something like this, you know, were to, to, to go down from an Elon Musk perspective, I think that would be the first thing that he would probably look at to say, how did that even happen? And hopefully bear it to light uh, so that we don't have that in the future. So I, I, there's never been anything conclusive. What I can say is that those abnormal patterns were absolutely happening across the board for a number of people. That is extremely unusual. And the only, I think, logical conclusion that you can come to is that they probably removed some restrictions that they had before in the past and made some changes to make that more feasible so that maybe they didn't get bit in the butt when the acquisition occurred. Yes. And and we'll see if Twitter gets a bite in the keister from all of this. I'm on Mudge's side. Uh, I, I'm historically a fan of these kinds of whistleblowers because I think they do a great service uh, to people who are vulnerable and, you know, when they don't understand this stuff, kind of helpless. And you know, yeah. Twitter and the like have become so incredibly powerful that there has to be honesty and accountability. It's got to come from somewhere. And, you know, if it's not Elon Musk, then it's got to be guys like Mudge who are, you know, really taking their jobs and security seriously, because obviously, like cybersecurity is probably one of the biggest threats we face as a nation. Yep, absolutely. I mean, everything is technology, Kennedy. I mean, you look at what you have on your, you probably are wearing some sort of wearable technology right now, like an Apple watch. You probably have a phone in your pocket. Uh, I mean, we leverage technology for every aspect of our lives, digital currency, uh, currency in general, everything, water treatment facilities, critical infrastructure, nuclear, all on technology platforms. It is the most important, fundamentally most important thing that we can think of today. And we have a lot of folks that don't like us uh, that are leveraging cyber warfare as kind of those main methods. And we have to absolutely protect that. Amen. Dave Kennedy, binary defense co-founder, U.S. Marine Corps veteran. Thank you for your service and thank you for all you do to make the world a better place, Dave. Thank you so much for having me on. Always a pleasure. Uh, You as well. Thank you. And this has been Kennedy Saves the World. I'm Kennedy. For more podcasts from my friends at Fox, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.